Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Do you like this show and want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you like extra episodes every month? Well, then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. Greetings, programs, and welcome back to a normal episode of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. So I hope everybody enjoyed the uh, the live panel that we released last week that uh, was from Pentacon 2019. Yeah, it was actually a, a really fun and really cool panel. You know, we did that along with the Defending Bad Movies had really good turnout for both, uh, actually had some good interaction for both the panels. And, you know, hopefully everyone checked both of them out. I, I had a blast doing them. And, you know, I appreciate you and Wally, you know, making the drive over to Pensacola. Oh, it was fantastic. Uh, I had so much fun doing the panels. I can't wait to do the uh, the Defending Bad Movies panel again next year if they do it again. Well, I told Steve because I saw him Sunday after the after our nerd cave retro, I saw him at the little theater for the film festival mm-hmm. and he asked me how it went. And I told him that has to be a yearly thing. Yeah. <laughs> it was so, so fun. And there were some good movies that didn't get drawn either. I was really hoping the last Jedi would get drawn because oh, that can... would have been a great movie to defend. We'll save the, that one for next year. Oh, for sure. Like that, that has to be, that has to be one. And if you missed it, then you can uh, just head over to the Derek, the Derek Diamond experience and, and download it and listen to it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and Julio Diaz joined us for defending bad movies as well. But, you know, overall, I thought Pensacon was a lot of fun. Uh, it was different for me because 
I wasn't doing any of the video work. I was strictly moderating and hosting panels. So it was experience, but you know, I really enjoyed it. Got to meet some cool people, and you know, it's it's always a fun time going to a convention. Oh, and Tyler Watson already uh, on Facebook corrected me on something that I said during our Nerd Cave panel, and I uh, can't believe that Wally didn't catch it because he was sitting right there, and uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah. oh, the um, the Mario RPG thing? Yeah, I, I don't know what I was thinking when I said that. I said it was for the N64, and it was made by Rare. And uh, <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. It just kind of came out. I didn't even realize I said it until Tyler pointed it out. Well, that's why he's the fact checker to the fact checker. That's right. he caught it and not Wally. So you missed it, Wally. Shame. <laughs> you were live, and you for missed it. Shame. For shame. For <laughs> shame. Oh man, but uh, how's but, uh, how's your week been? Uh, it's been okay. You know, there's a lot of personal issues going on with me lately, so been dealing with a lot of that, and uh, just basically trying to uh, trying to get my life back in order. But uh, but things are going pretty well, and um, you know, I got a lot of things on the back burner. I'm starting to play music again, and uh, got some other projects. Uh, re- not ready to be revealed yet, but me and Wally are working on some important things that I will reveal in the next few months. You're working on that one thing. That one thing. Yeah. So how was your we'll week? At the place. It was good. Um, it, it, things are starting to really ramp up at work because we are, as of when we're recording this, I think we're 35 days away from our first game, which the off season has really flown by and you you can tell that, you know, there's always that little bit of tension in the air Hmm. in some ways, good in some ways, bad. Like you can just tell that things are really about to get crazy. Uh, But other than that, uh, just been trying to get a few more podcasts in the can before baseball starts. So that way my plan is to continue the Derek diamond experience through hopefully the end of April and then I'm going to take the rest of the summer off and come back in September. Yes, just so, so everybody well, remembers that uh, whenever you start baseball season, our schedule is going to be kind of wonky. So to catch us live, we may be doing different nights or you know, have to record two episodes in one night, things of that nature. Yeah, so what's, I think in the next week or so, we should probably figure you know figure out a schedule at least for the month of april and maybe may because april shouldn't be too bad i might have to either miss one or two shows or we might have to record on one or two different nights but i know april won't be too terribly bad yeah so there's at least that but we'll we'll work um, it out and let everybody know yeah but other than that um i'm hoping to get the rough cut of the parker syndrome edited by the end of the weekend I'm a little less than halfway finished with it. Wow. I've just been kind of slowly chipping away at it because I've had, you know, a lot of other stuff going on and trying to balance out other things. So, but hopefully it'll be, like I said, done by the end of the weekend. And once that's done, I'll send out a private link to yes. the I'm cast and crew it. who were a part of it. The The footage looks really, really good. Kevin did a phenomenal job. Of shooting it, and I, I will say you you did you didn't do too shabby on sound. Awesome! I'm glad yeah. I didn't screw up too bad. <laughs> yeah, no, it was good. No, everything was labeled correctly and have had no issues so far. So. Awesome. 
Yeah, it's it's it's. I think it's going to turn out really well. I'm just glad I didn't screw everything up, and then there would just be like, you know, <laughs> tracks of silence. <laughs> we'll make it a silent film. Yeah, it'd be great. Uh, but we we've got some uh, one story that I've just been chomping at the bit to talk about since I sent it to you yesterday. So you ready to dive into this? Yes, let's do this. Oh boy. Oh boy. So our first story comes to us from comicbookmovie.com. Sonic the Hedgehog promo images give us our first proper look at the character's updated design. So if you'll remember, we talked a few weeks ago about the teaser poster that came out that had, you know, a silhouette of Sonic and we could tell that there were going to be some changes to his look. Um, it had along with you know the the neon logo and everything, which I actually liked the logo. I liked the the sonic shape and the you know the letter C. So apparently, this was leaked online. Um, there are s- several different promo images of Sonic, and I'm gonna say this. Initially, I wanted to throw my phone <laughs> when I saw it. But thinking about it, now that I've had a day to digest it and everything, I want to see how it looks on film. Because these are obviously, you know, drawn images or created in Photoshop. So he may look slightly different in live action or as live action as he can be. But I don't know. I mean, there are things about him that I don't hate but the one thing that the, there are two things about it that bother me, and they might sound like minor things. I don't like that he's not wearing gloves. That kind of bothers me. Like his his hands kind of freak me out a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. And then his shoes just look like normal red tennis shoes with the Nike logo on the side. Like that was the cool thing about Sonic shoes, or they're bright red with the white stripe down the middle and the gold buckle on the side. Like why? Why take that away? Yeah. Why give him just just give him normal red tennis shoes? Here's what I'm gonna say about it. If I knew the movie was completely CGI and in the vein of like a you know like The Incredibles or something like that, like I think I could get on board with it. But knowing that this is set in the real world, I this scares me. Well, and the thing is, is that it, with the Detective Pikachu trailers, all the Pokemon look great. Yeah. And that's in that's set in the real world. But Pikachu looks great. Bulbasaur looks great. Charizard looks phenomenal. Like, uh, there's really none of the Pokemon that I dislike. But I don't know. I, I think it's because deep down I know this movie's not going to be very good. Hmm. And I, re- I want it to be good. I really do. I want it to at least be fun. Yeah. But I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I am going to watch it. Like, I'm not going to lie to everyone and say that I'm not going to see it because I am. But when I see how Sonic looks, it just doesn't give me very much hope. Yeah. He could look worse. 
Yeah. But I don't think he looks that great. I, I just don't like the fact that it's set in the real world. I would rather it be a completely CGI, you know, movie. Like yeah, a like Pix- you said, like a in, Pixar in the vein movie. of like, <clears throat> like The Incredibles or something like that. Like that, I could completely get on board with. If you wanted to change his look a little bit, that's fine. Like, I don't expect him to look like he came straight out of the video game. But I feel like some of the changes are just unnecessary. It, just, it looks it looks creepy, is what is what I'm gonna say. It looks creepy. Like if I saw that in the real world, it would creep me out. Yeah, if you look <clears throat> at the article, the the third photo down, the one above him holding the ring. Yeah, that one kind of freaks me out. Yeah, that one I don't oh. like that at all. <laughs> it looks really I, I don't weird. Know. Yeah, I I just don't know about this movie. I I want I want a trailer to come out so that will at least set more expectations, but I really don't have high hopes for this movie. Yeah, I don't really And it know sucks what to because think. I like Sonic. Well, I do but too. I, I, like but... I, I look at Detective Pikachu and yeah, it's different from the traditional Pokémon game, but it looks like a fun movie. So even if the plot isn't that great, I still think it will have fun moments. I don't know if this movie will have any fun moments. I don't know. We'll find out, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the movie doesn't come out till November, so we've got a while to wait. But I I don't know when they'll release a trailer. I'd say probably April or May at the earliest. Yeah, there may be one at the beginning of, like, Avengers or something. I, I don't know. Like I, I, I don't want this movie. My gut tells me that I'm gonna be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. But uh, but let's go ahead and move on to our next story uh, from NintendoLife.com. Uh, the rumor is it looks like the Xbox Game Pass might not be coming to the Switch after all. For the past couple of weeks, rumors surrounding the possibility of Microsoft bringing the Xbox Game Pass to Nintendo Switch have been sneaking their way around the internet, uh, teasing fans with the idea of playing Xbox games on uh, on Nintendo's machine. Xbox head Phil Spencer even added fuel to the fire recently. Naturally, though, a rumor is exactly that, just a rumor. Uh, Brad Sams, the executor of IT sites Petrie and Thurot, has claimed that multiple sources have told him that Game Pass won't be coming to Switch. Of course, absolutely nothing has been officially confirmed either way. Um... We have one rumor stating that it is coming, and now the information stating that it isn't. So we'd urge you to take everything you hear on the matter with the largest boatload of salt you can find. So I, I don't know. I, it's still a, a rumor, but um, it always sounded kind of weird to me from the beginning. I mean, we had kind of a, a long discussion about this when we first talked about it, but I don't know. I don't know what to think. Well, my initial thought was. It sounded like one of those things that's almost too good to be true. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love for all consoles to be compatible. Yeah. Because you've got some people who are only going to buy an Xbox because they bought the original one and they stuck with it. There are some people that are only going to have PlayStation. Why not have something that is open for everyone? Well, it even says here, uh, even if the Game Pass doesn't come to Switch, that doesn't mean the supposed collaboration between Microsoft and Nintendo 
won't happen in some form in the future. There are multiple ways in which both companies could work together, but we can't know for sure what form the partnership will take if it is indeed in the cards. Yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, if it doesn't happen now, it could happen, you know, a year, two years, maybe longer. Yeah. But eventually I'd like to see something where, yeah, you have your separate consoles, but they're all compatible. Yeah. Like you can play multiplayer games with someone who has an Xbox or a PlayStation. That's that's the dream. Yeah, well, that's definitely coming in the future. It's just <clears throat> things like that take time. So once these companies figure out that they can, it's actually more beneficial to do things like this. Then you know, once it, I think something like this, you know, it's gonna like all the Fortnite stuff. Like all the Fortnite players can all play together. It starts slowly like that, and then all these companies are gonna be like, well. Not everybody's going to have, like you said, every, uh, you know, console. So why not have a way to where if there are third-party games that are on all consoles, why not let everybody play together, you know? Well, I think it brings up a point that you mentioned during the panel last week is that the current model of video games long-term is not sustainable. Yeah. So I think having you know cross-platform multiplayer could be one of the next big steps in the evolution of gaming oh absolutely so who knows you know like i said it if it doesn't happen now i definitely think it's a possibility for the future it could be a year or a couple of years from now but yeah. i definitely think it's going to be a thing definitely within the next two to three years i think we'll have you know all you Sorry, stupid cat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's playing? Uh, Something's playing here, and I don't know what it is. <laughs> the kittens have taken over. Uh, let's see. Oh, that's playing. Okay. Yeah, the cat jumped up on my uh, <laughs> on my keyboard. I'm taking care of a Final Fantasy fan. Yeah, I, I'm taking care of a friend's cat, and this cat has no boundaries, so. Yeah, I, gotcha. I knew that was going to happen at some point. Um, she's only going to be here for about three or four more days. <laughs> oh, man. That's Sorry awesome. about that, everybody. Stupid cat. <laughs> let's we go, are live. Let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. In March of 1985, uh, Tekan releases Gridiron Fight, an American fo football sports game featuring the use of dual track box trackball controls that was a hard sentence to say say that five times fast yeah dual trackball controls dual trackball controls dual trackball controls dual trackball controls i will say when i was looking up this month in video game history this doesn't sound familiar i know we've talked about Takan before with some of their other games but Never played this one. You know, the the earliest memory I have of playing any type of football game was playing. Uh, it was one of the Super Nintendo games, but I can't remember. It wasn't Tecmo Bowl because that was NES. Mm. But there was one I played for Super Nintendo, and I didn't play one for a while until um, I played one of the Maddens for Xbox 360. So I haven't played as many sports games as you would think. But um, I'm sure it's one I would have tried out. Yeah, I've never been a big sports game fan, so I don't. I, I've played Tecmo Bowl, 
<laughs> and uh, yeah. I think I think I had football for the uh, the Atari twenty six hundred, but that was about it. Really, the only sports games that I would play on a regular basis were the the WWE games, if mm. you count those as sports games. Yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah. Let's see. March eighth of nineteen ninety, the Nintendo World Championships begin. Ooh. I would have. This would be something that I would have loved to have done. Uh, I wanted to. I, I remember reading about this in Nintendo Power, and plus, you know, the uh, the Wizard had just come out not not too long before that. Oh, I wanted to go to this so badly. Oh man, uh, it was to the get first one of those. It was gold cartridges. I wish. I wish it, it was. It, it, I actually entered the contest. I remember doing that, but I didn't win one. God, that would have been so great. Well, they brought it back in 2015, and there's a screen cap of Super Mario Maker. Mm. And I don't know if you've watched any of the like the levels that have been created on that game, but some of them are insane. Oh yeah, <laughs> like absolutely insane. But uh, it's funny because that game wasn't actually released at the time, so yeah, it was kind of cool that they got to play that before it actually came out. Uh, it was the first Nintendo World Championships touring 30 American cities. It was based on a custom game cartridge for the NES, which would historically become one of the most rare and valuable NES cartridges. Man, I wish I could get my hand on hands on one. Ugh, I'd love to have a gold cartridge. Oh, that would be great. But Maybe I'll probably day. never have that much money. Well, you never know. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, also in March of 1992, Blue Sky Productions releases Ultima Underworld The Stygian Abyss, the first ever real-time 3D first-person role-playing video game. It's kind of shocking that the first like, first-person RPG game didn't come out until 92. Yeah, I know. I thought there was maybe some... Uh, I, there had to be some before this, like back in the eighties, like on the Amiga. Yeah, there had to have been. I don't know. We're gonna have to research that. I, I highly doubt this is the first one. Yeah, that is pretty wild. But I know we we've talked about some of the. Have we talked about some of the other Ultima games? Oh yeah, all the time. There were. God, there's been like a hundred Ultima games released from between like the you know the eighties and late nineties. I think there's they still were putting out Ultima games like in the early two thousands. I know that Ultima Online is still going on to this day. Interesting. Let's see. March fifteenth, nineteen ninety four, Mega Man Six is released in the U.S. Woohoo! It's funny because a lot of there were several Mega Man games that came out in the month of March. Yeah. So we could put one like every week on this show and probably not get through all of them. <laughs> probably. I would love to do. We need to do Mega Man Month. That's what I want to do next. We did Metroid Month. I want to do Mega Man Month. Why don't we do Mega May? Mega May. That sounds good. I'm up for that. I'll go through the X series. Awesome. Let's do that. This next one's for you. Uh, March 22nd, Resident Evil is released for the PS1. One of the foundational games in the survival horror genre. For a time, it held the record for best-selling PlayStation game. I, I like the original Resident Evil, but I did not like it as much as, as Resident Evil 2. 
Resident Evil 2 was just it was a, in a class all its own, man. It was the the voice acting was better, the setting was better. Um the the camera controls and the the tank controls still sucked, but you know, they were Resident Evil laid the groundwork, but man, they really nailed it with Resident Evil 2. Yeah, I remember when this first game came out and it being a huge deal. Then an even bigger deal when the sequel came out. Because I even remember, because I've never really played the Resident Evil games, but I remember especially the second one was so highly regarded and was getting nothing but praise from mm-hmm. everyone. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, and to close us out for this month in video game history, on March 31st of 1999, Roller Coaster Tycoon is released for Microsoft Windows. Did you ever play Roller Coaster Tycoon? Yes, I still have it on my Steam account, and I still play it occasionally. Never been a huge PC person, but I know this and The Sims were very popular uh, around that time. It looks fun. I've just never played it. I love games like Roller Coaster Tycoon. I will just get sucked into it and just play for hours and hours. It definitely seems like that. I mean, I was that way with Sim City. You know, you start building things yes. and next thing you know, three or four hours have gone by. Oh yeah. I mean Roller Coaster Tycoon is the same way. It's just Sim City in a, you know, theme park. And the PC version got really high reviews too. It was like eight out of ten. 9 out of 10, and mm-hmm. A, uh, 8.5 out of 10 by IGN. Oh, so it's, it's still a Very highly game. regarded. Oh, yeah, it's great. Whew, and here we go. You wanted that's, that's it. That's the end of the show, right? Yeah, that's the end of the show. We'll see you guys uh, next week. <laughs> no. You wanted it. You wanted it. You've been asking for it, and um, I let Derek take the bullet on this one. So tonight, we're going to be talking about... Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Oh, 
I think we've got the wrong. No, it says Final Fantasy VI on here. Well, so it's Final Fantasy VI in Japan, but oh, Final Fantasy III. Okay. <laughs> I was I was reading it. And I'm like, do we have the right uh, wiki page up? Yeah. Well, it's funny because when I was putting up the Wikipedia, it was um, I was confused too. It's funny the the music cut out, and it's been doing that ever since we switched to Discord. Oh, really? That's weird. Yeah. I have to is. see if uh, if I can fix that. Yeah. But anyway, so. Final Fantasy 3 was on the SNES Classic, and I know people have been asking for us to review a Final Fantasy game. And I've got to be completely honest. Did you guys really think I was going to play Final Fantasy? <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I actually didn't play it. <laughs> uh, I was like, yeah, I'll be honest. I didn't play it. You guys really think I was going to do it? But no, so Final Fantasy... I'm going to say this before I start getting into the game. It is very tough to defend the number system with this whole thing because it's even pulling up the Wikipedia was very confusing because mm-hmm. I thought I'm reading Final Fantasy VI, but then it's also known as Final Fantasy III. I don't know why it's like that. I should have probably looked that up before we started recording, but I did not. But either way, I'm sure there's got to be some type of reason for it, but you have to admit it is very confusing. So Final Fantasy VI, also known as Final Fantasy III, from its marketing for initial North American release in 1994, is a role-playing video game developed and published by Japanese company Square for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Ooh, I found it before we move into it. Uh, yes. The original North American localization and release of Final Fantasy VI by Square for the Super NES featured several changes from the original Japanese version. Most obvious of these is the change of the game's title from Final Fantasy VI to Final Fantasy III because only two games of the series had been localized in North America. Final Fantasy VI was distributed as three to maintain naming continuity. Uh... Unlike Final Fantasy IV, which was first released in North America as Final Fantasy II, there are no changes to the gameplay, though several changes of contents. And... <sighs> uh, but the thing is, is that I actually liked it. <laughs> I actually liked this game. So when I started playing it, it very much it took me back to my days of playing like Secret of Mana, Secret of Evermore, Earthbound, those types of RPGs back in the day, which I, I love all three of those games that I just mentioned. The only difference is, you know, I didn't grow up with Final Fantasy. And there have been other RPGs that I've played that, while I think they're good, I don't have that same attachment. And that's something we talked about in the panel last week is that when you have that sentimental attachment, mm-hmm. it, it adds that little spark that can't really be replicated. Yeah. But that being said, from the technical standpoint, you know, I actually very much enjoyed it. You know, a lot of people find the, the turn-based battle system boring, but it didn't bother me because I remembered it from, you know, Earthbound was the exact same way. I would even say that 
Final Fantasy 3 or whatever. I'm going to call it Final Fantasy 3 because that's how it's numbered when I played it. It at least has better animation on screen than what Earthbound did because with Earthbound, it's literally you're looking, it's like a point of view shot of the enemy. And when you attack it and you hit it, it just literally flashes white for a second. It's a very boring battle system, but yeah. it, this has at least more animation. Like you actually see the characters attack <laughs> and things like that. So um, the look of the game, I think, is very good. It has that 16-bit uh, graphic style that I think is still it still holds up to this day. I mentioned this last week too. It has that kind of timeless feel to it. You know, you see so many indie games these days that are made in that same style, and I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah, I'm looking at here see, at some of the pictures of the actual combat system, and and I like when RPGs do it like this, sort of that uh, side view instead mm -hmm. of first person. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't really no, like I, first person uh, combat RPGs like uh, for the in the eight bit and sixteen bit era. The only game that I really liked that way was sort of like Shadowgate, but that I wouldn't really consider that an RPG. Yeah. Something that actually kind of surprised me about this game, and I'll get into it when I talk about the plot, but when you think Final Fantasy, you think, you know, medieval type settings like a Zelda or mm -hmm. other types of RPGs. This has a little bit of like a steampunk influence to it and actually has more of an industrial steampunk tone to it, <laughs> which actually really surprised me. And I thought that was kind of cool. Because I was kind of expecting your typical, oh, you're going to attack with a sword and shield, maybe an occasional magic spell, and yeah, that's going to be it. But one of the first areas you go to is a castle in the middle of the desert, and it actually, you know, combines itself together into one. Instead of being spread out into different towers, it combines itself into one, and then submerges underground which I actually thought was really cool. I was like, huh, it actually is kind of a, a unique thing. Hmm. But um, kind of diving into the gameplay, it consists of four basic modes of gameplay, an overworld map, a town and dungeon field map, a battle screen, and a menu screen. Kind of standard for most RPGs. Yeah. The overworld map is a scaled-down version of the game's fictional world, which the player uses to direct characters to various locations. As with most games in the series, the three primary means of travel are by foot, chocobo, which are like giant bird-like creatures, and airship, which I haven't made it far enough to travel by airship, but um, with a few plot-driven exceptions, enemies are randomly encountered on field maps and on the overworld when traveling by foot. Again, pretty standard for you know, your typical RPGs of that era. So basically, as far as the story goes, from what I've gotten into it, it focuses around this girl named Tara who knows magic. And magic is kind of spoken of as almost taboo in a way, hmm. which I think is very interesting. And the structure of, from what I've played of it, of you know the society kind of reminds me of something you'd read about that took place in maybe the 19th century, maybe very early 20th century with, you know, fine arts and opera being kind of a, a reoccurring theme throughout the game. 
Let's see. Uh, the story in the town of Narshi, and I'm probably going to pronounce some of these names wrong, so I do apologize for that. Terra, who I mentioned earlier, participates in an imperial mission to seize a powerful esper encased in ice. Upon locating it, a magical reaction occurs between Terra and the esper. As a result, the soldiers accompanying Terra are killed, and she is knocked unconscious. You also start the game, she is wearing what's called a slave crown, which basically puts her under control of what you find out is called the Empire. Uh, well, when the crown's removed after she's not unconscious, she develops amnesia, and she can't remember anything other than her name and that she knows magic. So th from there, she's introduced to an organization known as the Returners, who she agrees to help in their revolution against the Empire, which is a little bit of a take on Star Wars, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Uh, the Returners learn that the Imperial soldiers led by Kefka are planning another attempt to seize the frozen Esper. After repelling Kefka's attack, Terra experiences another magical reaction with the frozen Esper, and she transforms into a creature and flies to another continent. So that's about as far as I've actually made it into the game. So I don't really want to read like what's after that because I don't want to spoil it for myself. I, I'm sorry I'm being very quiet. I just, I have nothing to ask. Like, I don't know anything about Final Fantasy and <laughs> just, I don't know. Well, I will say this. I went into this game, I specifically didn't want to know anything about it. I didn't want to know the story. I didn't want to know the characters. I, I said this on Twitter. I wanted to go into it truly with an open mind. I didn't want to compare it to anything nothing i and i I'm, I'm like that way with movies you know i like to go in knowing as little as possible so i can form my own opinion of how the game was going to go and what's interesting is i was reading you know a little more about it after i started playing it um, there were several changes from the original japanese version to the north american localization of it of course there's the title um, unlike Final Fantasy IV, which was released in North America as Final Fantasy II, there are no major changes to gameplay. Though several changes of contents and editorial adjustments exist in the English script. In a January 95 issue or interview with Superplay magazine, translator Ted Woolsey explained that there's a certain level of playfulness and sexuality in Japanese games that just doesn't exist in the United States hmm. because of Nintendo America's rules and guidelines. Consequently, objectionable graphics, for example, nudity, were censored and building signs and towns were changed, such as bar being changed to cafe, as well as religious illusions. So there's a spell in the game called Pearl. Well, in the Japanese version, it's called Holy. You think of that today and you're like, ah, it's probably not that big a deal. But back then, you know, they censored, I think, way more stuff. Uh, I'm looking at some they... pictures here. Where it says the graphics for the North American releases were edited to cover up minor instances of nudity, and like is this one where like this chick just got her just got her butt out, and then yeah. for the North American version it's covered up. Like all right, yeah. When also it says some direct allusions to death, killing actions, and violent expressions, as well as offensive words, have been replaced by softer expressions. For example, after Edgar, Locke, and Terra flee on Chocobos from Figaro Castle, Kefka orders two Magitek armored soldiers to chase them by shouting, Go kill them, 
in the Japanese version, but it was translated to go get them in the American version. And also, right before that happens, the castle is on fire. And uh, Kefka says, uh, welcome to my barbecue in place of then you can burn to death. Hmm. I personally think that's a little extreme. But again, it's it's kind of a project of the environment and the culture. And it, yeah. it, it is a very good point that I, I feel like in other cultures, you know, not in the United States, things like, you know, language and even nudity and sexuality are much more what's the word I'm looking for? I guess more open. Yeah. Well we're we're a little bit uptight here in the United States. A little more puritanical. Yeah. I don't know. Have you seen Bohemian Rhapsody? Yes, I have. Well, it's one of the lines is Americans are, uh, I think, proper in public, but perverts in private. That, they do I what now? One, <laughs> one of the lines someone said in the movie, because, you know, everyone from Queen is British. Yeah. And somebody said it was either Brits or Americans are, are, pro, are what's the word? Not proper, but kind of prudish in public yeah. but perverts in private yeah and I, I i think that's accurate oh yeah yeah i agree with that so oh. i i didn't know about the nudity until you know i actually read this article but i i, I did think those lines that i mentioned because i remember both of them i thought were a little childish but given that it was changed from something else it it does make sense yeah hmm but other than that, I mean, I, I think overall it's a very solid game. And let me actually pull up. Uh, somebody wrote on Twitter the other day, because um, I posted this that we were going to be reviewing it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's see. What was it? All right. At Mira's Brush wrote, still the most important game of my life. I eventually played through Final Fantasy VII, and while it's touching, there are sequences in Final Fantasy VI that, bro that blow Aerith out of the water. <laughs> and this, this game is held in very high regard. You know, I know that, you know, Nate, who listens to this show, was, you know, singing its praises. And I'll go ahead and say it. I like this game. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually very much enjoy it. I'm going to continue to play through it. I'll say it like I said at the beginning. I'm not going to hold it in the same regard as I do the other RPGs I've mentioned just because I didn't grow up with them. Yeah. But that's something that you can't really measure. But I think from a technical standpoint, I like the story. It's going in a different direction than what I thought. Hmm. I think the graphics hold up. The music is actually very good. Uh, I think the battle music is very catchy. Some of it has kind of an upbeat, you know, you can kind of sit there and tap your toes to it. And then when you get to like a boss battle, it has that kind of epic, almost orchestral type feel to it. Yeah. But yeah, I actually very, very much enjoy it. Awesome. Well, out of a scale of 10, what would you give it at this point? So, so far, I would probably give it uh, a solid seven. That's not bad. I, I'm, st I'm still very, I'm still fairly early into it, I feel like. Um, I'm, like I said, I don't 
I don't really know much about the story, so I'm just kind of going along with it as is. So I don't know how close I am to beating the game. Yeah. But I like that about it because if you think about it back in the day, like when you played through Link to the Past for the first time, you didn't know when you were going to beat it. Yeah. And then when you, you just thought you beat it, you had a whole other game to play. <laughs> no, absolutely. So some of those scores I'll give real quick. Um, IGN gave the original a 9.5 out of 10. Uh, GamePro gave it five stars. EGM, Electronic Gaming Monthly, gave it a 36 out of 40. Edge gave it an 8 out of 10. And 1up.com gave it a 9 out of 10. So this was a very, very highly praised game. And I'll say it, I'm looking forward to continuing to play it. And I will I will apologize for some of the things <laughs> I, I will still continue to bash the number system just because it confuses me and I don't like it. Yeah. But I'll, I'll give it its due. Well, good. I don't know if I'll ever play one, but uh, we'll see. I, I we'll may see in play a month from now when I'll oh, go ahead. I was going to say I may play Final Fantasy for the NES just to, you know, just to check it out. But nah, I'm not. I'm not going to be in any hurry, so don't expect me to be reviewing any Final Fantasy games anytime soon. See, what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait like a month or two months from now, and I'm we're going to bring up Final Fantasy, and I'm going to say you wouldn't, I wouldn't be caught dead playing one of them yeah. Final Fantasy games. <laughs> uh, yep. So I, I will, I will stop the trolling for now. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. <laughs> I, I, you know, I. I have no, I don't know anything about the Final Fantasy game. So you diving into it is, is you know, I'm going to live vicariously through you. So let me know how it is. No, for sure. I will. Like I said, I'm going to continue to play this and we'll see what happens from there. All right. Well, we're going to have I, to wrap this up soon. Hope, I'm over here playing goalie with the cat so it doesn't jump up here on the thing again, on the uh, the keyboard again. But I, I do hope that all of the, the Final Fantasy fans who have who have dealt with my trolling for probably the last year plus uh, felt felt redeemed this yeah. evening. Well, I hope that they, you know, were expecting us to bash it, but I don't think we bashed it too badly. So those of you who are outside my house with your torches and your pitchforks, <laughs> you, you may return home. All right. Well, is, is that going to bring us to the end of the show for this week? I think so. That's that's my take on Final Fantasy three. Well, is there anything that you want to throw out there before we leave tonight? Well, something I actually think you might be interested in. This week on the Derek Diamond Experience, I will be chatting with composer of survey and monsters anonymous yes mr aj caruso awesome i can't wait to listen to that aj is awesome. he was great he was great to talk to we had so much fun he's a good dude and uh i, I still have our interview with him that we did a long time ago it may actually uh i don't know whenever survey actually gets released to the public i may actually release it on this feed just to to get it back out there you should, yeah. So you could check that out this Thursday. Uh, you can follow the show on all social media platforms at D Diamond Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And the show is available on Apple Podcast and Spotify. Awesome. Well, I think we are going to go ahead and get out of here for this week. And let me play our music here. 
If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro, individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. And if you want to throw us a couple of bucks a month, just head over to Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and get us back up to that $50 a month mark so we can start doing... uh, doing some more uh, audio commentary tracks for you for an extra show every month. So get us back up there, people. And Derek, yes. please tell everyone what it's all about. Wow. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.